Hello, everyone, and welcome to Staking Mondays. We are live. My name is Ken. I'm here with the CEO and co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel. And today we have with us Derek Yu, the CEO and founder of Moonbeam, an Ethereum-compatible smart contract parachain on Polkadot. Welcome, guys. And Derek, let's get right into it. Uh, so what was your first experience in crypto, and how did you get started? So uh, pretty relevant to the uh, uh, you know, to, to the session here. Like we, I actually started in the beginning of 2019 uh, with PureStake, and we were doing infrastructure work, including staking um, and other kinds of like infrastructure services around uh, to start with Algorand, um, and then we that led us you know into Polkadot. Um, so I think this kind of experience you know with infrastructure um, informed some of the what we then later uh, designed into the system in Moonbeam. Awesome, thanks, Derek, and great to have you on the show here. Um, second, uh, very short answer, just like what projects in the crypto ecosystem are you currently most excited about? Uh, so I think the, the thing that I'm most excited about are uh, new cross-chain use cases. We've been primarily focused in, in, uh, on DeFi, I would say, is a big part of what's happening on Moonbeam. But it's the, you know, these, these teams that are taking advantage of these new general message passing systems to create like multi-chain um, uh, architectures. That's what I'm most interested in. I'm sure we'll we'll probably get into that more in the, the long form questions later. Absolutely. And if you had to pick one sector in crypto that you think will create uh, the most upside surprise in the next 24 months, which would it be? Uh, yeah, I think, um, well, like I said, we're spending a lot of time in, in DeFi. So I think that that's, that's here to stay and that's going to continue to evolve. Um, you know, the other area that... Um, uh, you know, we'll see a lot of movement in is in this, like uh, in the gaming sector, like NF the combination of NFTs and games and using that as a vehicle to get uh, to like a broader audience. And so I'd say that those are, those are really the two, I don't know if I'd call it surprising, but those are the two where I think have the most potential. And who in the crypto industry do you admire or look up to the most and why? Like yeah. a person. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we look up to other, uh, L1s that we're kind of, a, you know, we want to be at the table with. Um, we're just a, a new network now. Uh, I'd probably say um, like Avalanche, you know what I mean? Avalanche, I mean, I think they've done a, a pretty good job of balancing, you know, kind of community building with like, you know, real tech, uh, you know, solving like, you know, interesting problems, um, you know, good plan of kind of computer science and then the more practical end of things and, you know, kind of developing, you know, a good ecosystem. I'd say that that's, you know, that, that's someone that we look up to or that I look up to. Very cool. And why is staking important for token holders? And I guess, what is your view about staking in general? I think uh, there's, you know, there's technical reasons why it's needed to secure proof of stake blockchains. And there's kind of these more technical reasons. But for me, I think it, it's about engagement, right? So, you know, these systems that we work on, these protocols are only as valuable as the community around them believes them to be in some sense. And so I think this like staking is just a way to engage people directly like with, you know, at the protocol level is the most interesting thing to me. And it's this kind of act of actually doing something that gets people kind of the skin in the game and kind of like, you know, kind of really uh, becoming like a, um, you know, kind of a more entrenched part of like the, the community around a project. So I think that's, that's what, what I would cite as being the most interesting thing. Definitely. That's a great point. And um, last, very short question, like what is an activity for you to relax from wild crypto markets? Mm, uh, you know, I, I've always liked uh, reading, like so reading like novels, uh, fiction, short stories. I don't have an, uh, that much time for these kind of things these days, but uh, like before bed, I always try to get in, let's say, 30 minutes of, of, of reading at least a, a day to kind of 
you know, think about something different, go to a different place, you know, different set of characters. Can you recommend a book for us really quick? What it, like what you're reading now, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I guess I just read um, uh, uh, like a nonfiction, like a book about the sinking of the Lusitania, which I thought was oh. pretty interesting. Very cool. Very cool. All right, Derek. So let me just give a quick summary for everyone about the topics we're going to go over today. So we're going to be talking about uh, staking, of course. We're going to be talking about what makes Moonbeam unique on Polkadot. How does its sister network, Moon River, work? Moonbeam's ecosystem. We're going to ask Derek to tell us about some native and multi-chain uh, dApps in development. How will Polkadot and or Moonbeam offer superior scaling versus Ethereum? And then, of course, smart contracts on Moonbeam. So let's hop right into the long-form questions now. And Derek, can you give users a very quick and basic overview of Moonbeam and River and its relationship with Polkadot and the product market fit you see for Moonbeam and Polkadot, especially relative to Ethereum? Yeah. So uh, I would say that if my simple way to describe what Moonbeam is, is we are a smart contract platform uh, that's been optimized for cross-chain scenarios. So for has built-in uh, cross-chain interoperability features. And um, so that's different. You know, I think there's other smart contract chains that aim to like, let's just try to be the fastest or let's try to, you know, have, you know, uh, take like a BSC where there's a special relationship between centralized exchange and the chain. So for us, it's about these like, cross chain scenarios. And that's like then led uh, to a lot of the decision making uh, that's happened around the project. That's why we uh, went to Polkadot as an ecosystem first, because they have a particular point of view on cross chain interoperability. And we knew we could inherit from that. Um, you know, they had this uh, substrate blockchain building framework that made it, you know, quite a bit easier for us to to build Moonbeam, um, you know, versus trying to do it from scratch or to you know, do it some other way. Um, you know, that's what led us to uh, building out like a, an Ethereum compatible approach. So we, you know, we've taken an approach where um, developers can use a lot of the tools and infrastructure that already exists that were made for Ethereum. That was a very deliberate choice as part of this vision of trying to be um, as interoperable as possible. And um, yeah, I think uh, uh, one of the things that just went live actually is, uh, you know, on Polkadot, the, the interoperability technology on Polkadot just went live uh, last week. So that's the XCM uh, technology, which we're big believers in as one of, uh, as one of the, the ways to create um, you know, cross-chain use cases and, and, and dApps. And so, yeah, I'd say that's, that's kind of the, the, the high-level summary of, you know, what we're, uh, you know, what we're all about. So if you're speaking about interoperability, that's primarily within the Polkadot ecosystem or also like outside of like um, the Polkadot ecosystem? Yeah, I think the, the way I see this these days is I, you know, I use the term general message passing. So there's a, a category of technologies that all, you know, I sometimes use the short word GMP or general message passing solutions. Um, and they're, uh, they have different um, uh, domains or scopes. And they have different, you know, technical approaches. But the way I see it is that it's not just that there's going to be one or the other. There's going to be like a coexistence of multiple of these. Probably not a huge number, but at least some. And um, uh, so we see it as that that there are um, uh, kind of special domains both in the Polkadot ecosystem and in the Cosmos ecosystem. So in Polkadot, you have something called XCM that is this very highly secure cross-chain, you know, general message passing system. And in Cosmos, you know, they have IBC, which is, has some, a lot of similar properties. So those two domains have this like special kind of engineered in ability to speak with other chains. But, you know, there's many chains that are outside of those two ecosystems. So you still need a way for developers to be able to send messages to other chains as well. And so that's where you see this Kind of, uh, there's a new category of uh, protocols that are looking to fill that gap. So, um, 
you know, folks like uh, like Axelar, Layer Zero, um, you know, Wormhole is in this category. There's a number of you know other protocols. So we're trying to integrate with as many of those as possible uh, to give optionality to developers. And I think that this future world will likely have you know even apps using maybe even more than one of these, like multiple of these message passing systems to connect different parts of their app uh, together. That's awesome. And so can you give us like a, a brief overview of like the, the DAP app ecosystem on Moonbeam? Um, like, is there like, are, are there certain apps already deployed? And um, maybe there are also some interesting staking use cases that you could talk about from, from those steps. Yeah, so um, just to give context uh, for Moonbeam itself, um, it, uh, our mainnet like went live in uh, January. So we're about four months, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, beyond uh, the mainnet launch. I would characterize um, the last four months as being largely about like infrastructure deployments. So there's been a number of, you know, kind of once it's live, there's, you know, a number of different elements that need to be brought in, you know, our Etherscan like integration, um, you know, multi-sig, like there's a bunch of kind of tools and other things that the project teams need. So that's been a big part of what uh, the, this like first period has been about is deploying all these like infrastructure elements. Um, so despite that, I would say that in the, in the Moonbeam ecosystem, there's probably upwards towards about 200 projects that have already uh, deployed into the, you know, either the Moon River or Moonbeam ecosystems. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we are, are just now kind of finishing off these like infrastructure deployments. So one of the big ones uh, being Chainlink is like one of the big integrations that, uh, um, that uh, is, uh, is coming up here shortly, uh, which will be a big unlock for our DeFi um, you know, for a lot of the DeFi projects that are, that are deploying. And um, yeah, so it's, I characterize it as uh, probably a, a majority of the use cases are DeFi oriented. Um, so I mentioned that at the beginning that that continues to be an area where we see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of teams um, and traction. I would say secondarily, it's in uh, this like NFT gaming like area. There's a lot of grassroots teams. Some of the teams are small, but you know, they're either building a game, sometimes they're funding themselves with like a pre-sale of NFTs that are going to have utility in the game later. Uh, that's definitely a second area like that we're seeing, you know, a, a number of different uh, uh, teams building uh, on, on Moonbeam. So are, are these primarily like teams who are like exclusively building on Moonbeam or um, teams from other blockchains? Like they, they already deployed their dApps on Ethereum or somewhere else and now they're also building on Moonbeam or um, what, what's that ratio like? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say that um, there definitely are some multi-chain teams, um, and the context for that is even early on in our, uh, as we were, um, you know, doing uh, ecosystem development work, those were some of the first teams we went to. Um, I think that Moonbeam uh, occupies a bit of a special place, where just by virtue of the fact that we are on uh, Polkadot and we're kind of known as the, the EVM of Polkadot. Um, so for a lot of these cross-chain teams, they're pursuing you know, what I'd call a, an EVM targeted multi-chain deployment strategy, right? Where they go, they started on mainnet and then they're like, okay, well, let's just take our same code base and deploy it to you know, Avalanche, to Polygon. To... And so I think it makes sense for teams like that that want to get to Polkadot to work with us because they can do one deployment onto Moonbeam, but then they still can access you know, via XEM, we have an ability to move any Polkadot based assets like onto like our EVM as an ERC-20. So it kind of is like a, you know, that's a way for them to get a footprint like into Polkadot without, you know, using the same code base, but still able to, you know, kind of work with the the assets there, particularly for DeFi protocols. So um, that was definitely the first, I would say, you know, we've, we've collaborated from the early days with uh, Sushi and several other, you know, DeFi oriented like multi-chain teams. We have a curve deployment on Moonbeam. Um, uh, but what I would say is that that has shifted over time where 
a lot of the newer teams now are native teams. So a lot of these gaming projects I mentioned, um, uh, you know, we have uh, one project, Exile Racers, is a, is another game that is just going live here shortly. Um, they are native as well as DeFi projects. So um, uh, there's a team called uh, Moonwell uh, that is one of the uh, is a native like DeFi team. Um, I think that, that you know those are obviously extremely valuable to us when they're when they're native. Um, I think that you know the 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 multi-chain teams have like the the brand like awareness. You know they're obviously you know well known, so that's that's great and that that's helpful. Um, I, and uh, I would say though that like the the native teams, you know, there's a bit of a special relationship there where if they're building a community and they're kind of focused on on Moonbeam itself, then uh, you know we know a lot of their energy is going into just helping us like you know build uh, you know build the ecosystem in the community here versus um, you know multi-chain multi-chain team that might be a little bit more spread right in terms of their attention across like multiple multiple environments yeah that's definitely interesting to note so over 200 apps or or teams have already kind of deployed applications on moonbeam in the past four months which is absolutely incredible uh it speaks volumes to the interoperability the multi-chain uh, features that you guys have um now just wondering uh, you mentioned interoperability and multi-chain being a, a big feature for moonbeam but what is it about moonbeam outside of that uh, for the staking solutions or dApps user experience that makes it better than other smart contract L1 blockchains like Avalanche, for example. Yeah, well, I think it's like this: this like use of interoperability can kind of uh, inform and improve the user experience for like any use case, and not not only staking use cases. So let me uh, I'll give an example of um, uh, Lido, right? So there's a Lido deployment um, on Moon River, uh, and uh, you know uh, soon shortly to be on Moonbeam as well. And so the idea there is that Lido wanted to make a liquid staking derivative for uh, DOT, right? So you have this DOT asset, um, you know, the, the uh, Polkadot, like the main chain that houses DOT does not have any smart contract functionality. And so the question is, okay, well, how do they go about making a, a, a liquid staking derivative like they have on other chains like ETH mainnet or other, other places? And so we linked up with them um, fairly early on. And the, the idea is that, uh, they have a DAP that's uh, on Moonbeam that uh, you know uses a uh, 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 Ethereum like smart contracts to implement its logic, but uh, they are using uh, this XCM technology, this Polkadot XCM technology, uh, so that from those smart contracts they can uh, perform like remote calls to the relay chain to perform staking operations. And so you have basically this the the smart contracts on Moonbeam kind of remote controlling staking operations like on the on the relay chain. And so the, the interesting thing for me about this example is that it, it's, while pretty simple, there's only two chains, you're taking two chains that each are pretty specialized their purpose. You have Moonbeam specializing in, in these smart contracts, you have the relay chain specializing in you know, staking governance or certain specialized functions it has, but you're kind of combining functionality from the two chains into like one dApp, so there's like one user experience. And then even though it's the same Lido experience, which you may be familiar with, it's, you know, you just deposit and you get out the ST version of the asset, you know, then behind the scenes, you have this like kind of orchestration that's happening between like two different chains. And so for me, that's that's kind of like what the future is going to look like is that, you know, you have this like, you know, multiple specialized chains in the background doing something, one user experience. And then it's like this thing where you're hiding the complexity from the user, right? The user still just has like the one click button, but these all these things are kind of happening behind the scenes. Like those are some key ideas I think that are really going to be important in the future because right now, you know, with multi-chain, sometimes things get like worse before they get better, right? So with a lot of these teams that have done many deployments, you know, then you're asking the user to even know more. They're like, you know, you have a drop down and you have to figure out, okay, well, which chain am I on? Like, what am I doing? Where do I need to move? Like what? And I think 
that's like a big inhibitor right now for for adoption right the, the this kind of like loading on like all this knowledge that the end user has to have and so um yeah i think that that's one of the big unlocks with um you know these this cross-chain interoperability i think one is to simplify the user experience and the, the second one is around allowing for chains to specialize in certain things because if you can specialize and combine those specialized things together you'll get like a whole is greater than some of its parts you know versus everyone trying to kind of be like minimally okay at everything and that's that's typically the case today so in in terms of adoption and traction like what are some of the metrics that you are looking at um like user numbers transaction value and yeah like um do, do you have anything special that you're always tracking yeah for us it's really uh, first and foremost it's always about the the teams you know and the, the number of deployments that's why i was pretty quick with like some of those numbers there's this you know this actually this third-party website downtown moonbeam dtmb.xyz that someone put together that actually like lists out all these like uh these uh these projects and so that's when you look at just how we're organized internally it's always about thinking of this the the development team as the customer right and it seems weird to use the word customer protocols don't tend to use that but i like using that term to get you know people in the right mindset that like yeah we're trying to do everything we can to serve you know these development teams support them from a technical perspective um you know uh, make sure that they can uh, they have all the right tools and everything they need so that's how we measure success is You know how many uh, great teams do we have um, that are deploying uh, and uh, and you know producing kind of activity uh, on the chain and so yeah we have other metrics like you know transactions other things I think we've had you know, probably uh, 25 million transactions or something across uh, the networks um, since uh, since we launched um, but uh, you know it's really these this teams and how many uh, of those teams are deployed and kind of what the size of the ecosystem is that's that's very important to us. Yeah, and 25 million transactions, that's massive. And, uh, you know, congratulations in a four-month time window to achieve that that number to this point. Um, but wondering now, uh, what differentiates Moonbeam from other multi-chain solutions that exist on Polkadot or other chain-of-chain chain smart contracts platforms? What would be this differentiation factor? Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things, um, obviously, is our focus on this, like, uh, uh, focus on the Ethereum developer tools. I would say that that is, you know, was part of our kind of product strategy, and I think it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, you know, it's, it's I'm of the opinion that uh, that it, it's easy. I think when you just have the can your engineering hat on, it's easy to say, oh, well, there's these shortcomings of these tools, and like, you know, we can make like a better version that's like faster, that's you know, uh, better in a number of different ways. But I think it's it's actually turns out to be quite difficult to push like a new tech stack. You know, that's a, it's pretty hard. Um, and I think people underestimate what that looks like a lot of times. And that's why, um, you know, the EVM chains are so dominant now is it's really because of this, like all these like tools and infrastructure around the system. And so I think for us, even though we had this broader like cross chain like uh, vision, It, we said, you know, the, the decision was like, let's like basically bridge, like make sure that like all of these Ethereum tools can be used, but extend like the base Ethereum feature set with these cross-chain integrations. I think that that was kind of the key idea. And so, you know, what form does that take? Well, uh, to be specific, like a lot of the integrations we have come in the form of pre-compiles. So these are pre-compiled contracts uh, that allow you to access advanced functionality. But, um, you know, it's done in that way so that they look like smart contracts, right, to like any other contracts that are deployed in the EVM. And that means that, um, yeah, you don't break compatibilities. You can use all the same tools. Um, and, uh, you know, you go through these pre-compiles and, you know, we have these XC20s, which are these uh, movable 
uh, tokens, and we have uh, you know the, the Lido integration I described before. There's uh, for remote like contract for remote calls. Um, you know, th that's how we're doing it in a way that maintains compatibility with these existing tools, but also you know gives developers reach, I guess, to reach out to other other chains. Cool. So how much does it cost to uh, place a transaction on Moonbeam today? And how would that look at like hyperscale compared to like other layer ones um, in the ecosystem? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd say that the fees now are probably in the one to two cent range. So, um, you know, relatively inexpensive. Um, of course, uh, uh, you know, with like any EVM model, like it, it will like uh, move to a fee market like once like the blocks are full. So that's just a fact of like how like the EVM works. And so I think the the question of like what is the longer term, you know, scaling strategy look like? Um, first of all, I would say that it's around you know being able to offload like work from the main EVM to like other places. So I mentioned before like other specialized chains. Uh, we're actually quite excited about um, this like uh, Parathread technology uh, that's uh, going to be released by uh, Parity this year. So what that allows is you can basically create like snippets of substrate of substrate-based logic, so kind of like blockchain logic that you can run on demand. And so we'll be able to you know connect like smart contracts on Moonbeam to these like snippets of like blockchain logic. So you can kind of offload like part of the you know, work that you need to do um, to these like uh, to these like para threads. I think that's an example of like, you know, how we see things scaling is, you know, by not trying to run everything in the EVM, you're kind of, you know, calling out and leveraging like other systems to run parts of like the workload of your, uh, of your application. And then, you know, on the longer run, like we do, uh, we do uh, have a vision to have um, the ability for developers to have dedicated like uh, like EVMs if they if they want. Um, so um, we do see that on certain use cases, like for example, like large scale gaming use cases, uh, that's likely like what what makes sense. And um, you know, I think the the benefit uh, of the approach that uh, we're taking for this will be that it'll have the same interoperability you know characteristics that our main Moonbeam does uh, when, once we have that solution. Yeah, definitely very novel solutions. I haven't really heard some of those introduced yet in terms of um, how to scale a substrate-based chain. Um, so do you see Moonbeam, Moonbeam specializing in any particular niche use case? For example, Avalanche has made a big push into Web3 gaming. Solana has been very trading-focused. Uh, what sorts of smart contracts or activities do you think are most suited for Moonbeam? Yeah, I think that uh, what I see right now is... Um, Again, teams are starting to like understand, you know, what's possible with this new these new um, uh, general message passing techniques, and it, it is still the case that DeFi like is um, a dominant like use case like on uh, our chain, and so um, you know what I see right now is a number of new teams building that, all right, frankly, a lot of them are are almost taking existing DeFi ideas from DeFi 1.0, but then making them natively like cross chain. And so you can have even it takes something like a uh, there is a, one team working with that has a um, uh, a lending and borrowing like protocol, and so instead of uh, having an idea where the smart contracts are just in one chain and you bridge assets in, instead they have the idea of having like all of these uh, branch locations basically. So you have like a kind of a brain, and then you have these branch locations on all the remote chains, and then the idea is that you're connected like this whole system together with with general messages. If a user deposits like on a given chain you'd actually don't move the asset like back to the center, you leave it there. But then the fact that the deposit happened gets sent back as a message to the center. And then the center has this kind of accounting system of 
uh, of kind of like what debits and credits have happened like in you know in the system and so you can see it's it's kind of maybe the effect will be similar where it's like you know you're you're either lending or borrowing assets but the architecture is quite a bit different and i think it you know again it goes back to there's certain problems you can solve by taking an approach like this because i think you know to step back like when you, in the past when you build this you'd either have the choice of deploying contracts in one place and getting people to bridge into like put the assets next to the contracts or you take the approach of okay i'm going to make copies of my protocol like on all the different chains but then the problem is that like it's not only a user experience thing but you have this like fragmented liquidity where like you just have separate pools on all the chains so i see this next wave of trying to like simultaneously solve like both those challenges so you have kind of it feels like one system you're interacting with even though it's like present on multiple chains so it's almost like i guess your bank you go to like the local branch office you can perform some operations locally there but it's part of this like larger larger system and so um yeah, I think that you know that kind of use case. I think uh, in, in being able to power these new architectures in DeFi, that's definitely an area where we're seeing traction. And then also, like though know, on the NFT side, I think that some of these same ideas apply to NFTs, right? Where um, you know using general messages, you can you can have um, consolidated marketplace, let's say, right, that has NFTs listed for many chains. That you, you're able to provide a good user experience by putting them all in one place, and then when the user is clicking to buy. You know, actually behind the scenes, a message is being sent along with a value transfer to then execute like the, you know, the the, uh, the purchase like on a remote chain. So I think these are all, you know, I think we're at the beginning of, of allowing developers to explore what they can do with this. But um, you know, I'm pretty bullish on, you know, just on these kinds of different like um, message passing enabled scenarios to create multi-chain architectures. I'm actually yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just quick comment on uh, fragmented liquidity on DEXs, for instance, um, to be able to unify that with a messaging system like you're mentioning, I think it's going to bring the next wave of liquidity depth into these markets that uh, should definitely benefit users uh, from their perspective and traders as well. Uh, this is something that I, I would almost compare to how different routes in a traditional order book uh, for like an equity, for instance, there's different routes on the same price. Is that kind of how you envision a DEX that has consolidated liquidity across networks operating, where you have the same price tier or an order book, call it an order book DEX. How do you envision this architecture looking like? Yeah, it's a little, I've, I've seen different teams with different ideas about how to construct things. So I, don't, I would say that the verdict is still out on like what form is, is, um, is correct. But I will tell you, there's some things that like are, I am seeing some common patterns. So like one pattern, for example, is when you have like uh, the need to execute like a cross chain, uh, like value, like, you know, like a swap, let's say, you know, what a, lo a lot of these messaging uh, patterns look like then is that you, you, let's say you're starting one chain, you're encoding the intent to do a swap, like in a message, but then you're also transferring like value at the same time to like the remote destination. And you realize that the value transfer um, uh, can be like consolidated to a single asset, right? So along with the messaging protocol, you might say, okay, let's just use USDC as the value routing asset. And so then you, you basically like have a thing where let's say you, you almost price everything in USDC, you know, you, you send a message out along with USDC to like the remote chain to execute some action. But then at the remote chain, if you need some other asset, it'll get swapped like on the remote chain behind the scenes to the correct asset to like perform, perform the action. And so that's a pattern I see where I think a lot of cross chain actions will consolidate down to like single or very few like value transfer, like, you know, assets. And then, like um, you know, get kind of exchanged like right before the point of action, like on onto the remote chain to whatever they need to be. And uh, a lot of the general message passing systems are are kind of incorporating that idea and you know partnering with these like liquidity router routing protocols to try to facilitate this. That's kind of some of the stuff I'm seeing now. 
Do, do you see any other uh, like underexplored smart contract use cases? Or maybe you even have some data uh, suggesting in one way or the other, um, like outside of DeFi and NFTs and anything that you think could like be like the, the next big thing for smart contracts? Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, yeah, for me, uh, for us, like it, it really is probably into those two use case areas that were, is where like we see most of the teams building and it's a big enough idea to try to reimagine, you know, what could be possible using these general messages. So I, I don't know that I'm the right person to ask about like other, you know, kind of as yet undiscovered use cases where I see us more as, you know, trying to facilitate this change in thinking. Uh, around some of the existing use cases that have traction, because I, I do think that what I'm starting to realize is that this, I, the, there's a certain like a um, mental model that's used now, that is, uh, it's almost like the, it's the paradigm, right, that people operate in, which is like this idea that the assets like have to be at the same place as the logic, and so that that idea is ingrained in like everything. It's not only how developers create things, but also in how users like are used to interacting with things. Like, oh, I have to bridge over here to like put my assets next to the thing, and I think this, these general messages. Um, break that like assumption, but it's still like, you know, there still needs to be time for like the imagination of like everyone to catch up to say, okay, well, now that that assumption is no longer true, like what other forms like are possible. And so I see that as our main mission is to kind of help facilitate like that thinking and make an environment where, you know, those ideas can be, can be expressed. Um, but yeah, I would say that it is really in like uh, this like NFT and you know, gaming and DeFi seem to be the areas where we're seeing most of the teams trying to explore that new design space. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you give us a, a sense how much of an improvement it would be like for, for any project like building in the DeFi NFT space, like in terms of smart contract execution from like Moonbeam versus Ethereum, for example, like we had one of our team members, like they recently um, tried to like execute a smart contract on Centrifuge, which is on Ethereum, but I think they're they're moving to Polkadot. Mm -hmm. um, and that would probably be like costing around like 2.5 to $3,000 on uh, Ethereum to deploy like the full like 15 contracts. Yeah. Um, like how, how would that look like on Moonbeam, for example? Yeah, uh, well, it's an interesting example there because, you know, uh, I, yeah, I know uh, Lucas and we know that team well. Um, they, you know, they they are um, in the process of moving to be a, a, a parachain uh, and uh, we are going to uh, collaborate with them for a lot of the use cases, the same kind of integrations uh, that they have for Ethereum mainnet would be, you know, um, uh, moved uh, or would be kind of pointed at Moonbeam for the Polkadot like a uh, version. And we're able to use, since we're both Polkadot parachains, we can use XCM, which is, um, it's kind of the, the I'd call it the, the gold standard in terms of security when you have this like engineered in messaging capability like you have with, uh, with IBC and with XCM. And um, yeah, I mean, in terms of cost, uh, obviously the cost would be uh, much less for that smart contract execution. But I do think it is back to this idea of, um, you know, you have a single app that uh, spans like multiple chains and you can create like an effect where the whole is greater than some of its parts. So I think in, in the centrifuge system, you have a few different roles, right? You have the, the people kind of creating like the creators and then you have the folks that are kind of consuming like the created like a uh, real world uh, uh, assets. And so um, if the creation part is happening on centrifuge, this like consumption part, you know, Moonbeam makes for like, a good environment for that because um, we have, uh, you know, there's other protocols there that they can compose with. Uh, and, you know, for some of the unique requirements they have, um, you know, XCM will be used to basically ensure that and there's these whitelists and these other kind of special requirements that they have that um, will be beating using, uh, you know, this Polkadot's XCM technology. 
Okay, Derek. So what does the world look like a decade from now in which what you're doing here is wildly successful? Yeah, I think that, uh, again, it's kind of goes back to this like thinking where now, um, you know, people have this like single chain mindset where they're like, okay, like, you know, I'm a developer, let me pick a chain, let me deploy a set of logic to that like one chain. It reminds me of like the early days of compute where computers were super expensive too, right? And you said, okay, like I'm going to deploy to this, you know, this particular platform or this particular computer and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge decision I have to make. And then I'm kind of living like alongside these other apps. Um, but you see how like the history of computing evolved where like the computers got like a lot cheaper, right? And a lot more specialized at different functions. So I see something similar happening with blockchains where you already have these like blockchain building frameworks or already like have lowered the cost to make a new blockchain a lot. Uh, and so um, I kind of see like lots of specialized chains and, you know, we're, we're infrastructure people. So I see, uh, you know, in particular, I'm interested in uh, like infrastructure chains of different kinds. So, so that could be you know, smart contracts. Moonbeam, I think, is, is kind of like compute, maybe, if you think of a cloud analogy. It's like a basic compute service. But I can envision a lot of other specialized infrastructure chains. So ones that specialize in storage or identity or message routing. Um, kind of similar to if you're a developer, you go to AWS, you have this whole menu of different services you can use to, as building blocks. So that's kind of my vision is that you know, you'll have something similar to AWS as a developer, but instead of a centralized service, you'll have all these decentralized like services, specialized blockchains you can pick from. And then when you're constructing your app, you'll pick and choose like which services uh, you want to use and then construct a multi-chain app uh, leveraging all those specialized services. But again, like the this end user experience can be simplified quite a bit where the end user doesn't need to understand just like in the real world, the users don't need to understand all the different AWS services that are involved with the mobile app they're using. That kind of gets hidden from the user, and then you're able to present like a simple, like a simplified user interface to users that still allows them to retain their keys and control, but um, is then you know powered by this like you know this like specialized set of like you know multi-chain like infrastructure behind. And so I think that's you know, that's the kind of vision where we're trying to be an important you know element maybe of that story, um, and that, that's kind of the vision that I, that I have. Awesome. And like, how, how, how are you going to get there? So like, what's the, um, what's your go-to market and like, what's the incentives for developers? And maybe you can make it two questions. Like what, what are the incentives for developers to start building on Moonbeam? And then also what are the incentives for users to start using Moonbeam, um, more for like their, yeah, DeFi use cases and, and NFTs and so on. Yeah. So we do have, um, uh, we are, as I mentioned, we already have um, a number of teams that have already deployed. So um, there's already a growing ecosystem there. I think we're known as uh, a place to go that has a, a very strong uh, community. Um, you know, it definitely has a more grassroots feel. I mean, we didn't go, like, you know, our project didn't go and raise like huge amounts of money, um, but it has more of this, like, let's call it like grassroots, like builder, like feel to it. Um, that being said, you know, we, there is a Moonbeam Foundation that does uh, have a, a grants program that's quite active. Um, so we have, um, you know, many uh, different grant applicants like every week, uh, you know, coming in and, um, you know, we're looking to support as many uh, high quality teams as we can to uh, to build. So um, I would in particular say, you know, teams that are interested in this, uh, you know, uh, exploring this like uh, native cross-chain functionality, you know, that's really something that we're trying to focus in on and uh, is really driving a lot of our development efforts. Um, and, you know, there's certain problems that come up like uh, that when you are focusing in a certain area, like to give an example, uh, uh, you know, one of the problems we're, we're seeing now is that, you know, you have fee markets, right? So you have fee markets that were designed largely for a single chain environment. 
you know, that becomes a lot more complicated when you have a multi-chain because you'll have like, you know, a fee that's charged on the local chain that you're on. And then you might have like a fee also on like the remote chain where something's happening. And so you realize that even the whole concept of how fee markets work may need to evolve basically to take into account this like, you know, you might even have more than two chains involved in your, your interaction. So what does a fee look like where there's some interaction going across three or four chains? And so um, you know, these are the kinds of problems that we're looking to to kind of be to solve and to make ourselves the best place for these multi-chain um, you know use cases uh, but yeah grants program i mean we're obviously very happy to speak with any teams that um, are looking to build and help support them technically and in other ways that's amazing so for everyone listening uh make sure to reach out to derek um if you consider building on, on moonbeam um and also like if you have any questions here just drop it in the chat um we will address it after the last question here um, so I'm, I'm just very interested, Derek, like you also like founder of Biostake and um, like what's the role of staking in Moonbeam? Like you, you already mentioned that like it's definitely a, a way of engaging users as well. And obviously it's also supporting the security of the network. Um, like do you see more use cases for staking um, within the Moonbeam network like natively or like as like smart contracts on the chain? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, we we spent uh, time uh, developing uh, a staking system on Moonbeam that um, had a lot of the properties that we felt um, were important. Uh, some of that was informed by uh, our own work, like uh, being you know, providing validators for proof of stake networks. So I think we came at this with a you know fairly practical mindset. Um, in Polkadot, it's a little bit um, uh, it's a little bit unique in the sense that you know, as one of these parachains, you actually get part of the, your security comes from almost um, renting time from these relay chain validators, the validators that are on the relay chain. But there is this role of collator that we have on Moonbeam that is uh, basically the, the folks responsible for the liveness of the chain and for um, you know uh, the, the censorship resistance like of the chain, basically. So they're the ones who are collecting transactions and putting them into blocks. Um, I've, you know, I, we felt pretty strongly that having a decentralized system for these collators is important. Um, even if, uh, like, ultimately security is being kind of like verified by the relay chain validators, uh, these collators, you know, they're in a very unique position where they are the ones who are deciding like which transactions go in or don't go into a block, and also like in what order they're in. And you know, there's a whole kind of uh, a lot of literature these days on MEV and kind of what that means for chains. So I do think that this is a very important. Um, kind of element to a system to maintain its like censorship resistance properties. So we wanted to make sure that there was an kind of an open and permissionless system where folks could come in to serve this role of being a, uh, being a collator. That's where the staking on Moonbeam um, uh, comes in. Um, I think some of the design goals we had, so there are some interesting things here where, you know, you, you kind of lay, have a plan and sometimes things like, uh, you know, surprise you. So, you know, one of the things that we felt strongly about was that as a, uh, as a, you know, participant in other proof of stake networks, we saw this kind of race to the bottom idea, right? Where basically, like you know, if you are able to set a variable fee as a staker, like on on a network, then you know, there's always someone who's willing to come in at zero or kind of help subsidize it to try to like get market share. But it's like very hard for like a small a small team to run to, to bootstrap themselves or to like have a sustainable business in that way, right? So you kind of have this this thing where the fees kind of go to nothing, and then the revenue for like the the, the staking providers like goes, you know, shrinks basically. And then that like, you know, sometimes that even forces out the small people and the consolidation to like the bigger players. So to that end, we like, you know, we, we did put like um, a fixed like amount of rewards going to anyone who's providing the collation service, like on our chain, providing one of these, uh, one of these nodes. 
saying that like you know if you can assemble the support to get in um, uh, you know with with an appropriate amount of stake that you would get a fixed uh, reward for occupying one of those slots um, now I think the the interesting thing that happens though is that you realize that like you know where there's a will there's a way in the market so as it's become competitive to get one of these slots you know what we've seen is that um, some of the collators in our chain then are like um, are uh, basically offering up some of that fixed reward back to their stakers to basically like uh, as like extra incentive to like uh, to, to stake with them. So you, know, you realize it's kind of one of these things where you try something and then, you know, <laughs> like uh, the, the market finds a way to, to like uh, around you. And so that's, you know, that's happening a bit, but I still think, you know, the, the community that we have around us appreciates that, you know, some of the, the thinking that we put into our staking system to make it sustainable. And I think, you know, right now we have a, you know, a pretty healthy, um, you know, uh, a whole kind of ecosystem of, of uh, these validators or collators that are uh, helping us with block production. And you know, when you compare against like, you know, for example, you take the state of most L2s these days that have a similar role where there's, you know, a role for someone that to package transactions into blocks and kind of put them on the network. It's often just the team running it. There's just like one, right? So I think that, um, you know, we're in like better shape from that regard, having, you know, many of these in a permissionless system where anyone can come in and perform this like uh, block production service. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a great way. Um, and obviously, it's nothing you can prevent, like even with like, limiting the the number of like tokens taken one validator and so on that there's always like ways around it um, from the markets, but at least it's going in the right direction, I think, and it, it makes it easy, uh, like harder for the market to, to game the system. Um, so I, I do think it's a it's a very good innovation, like having fixed rewards for validators, for example. Um, so moving into the community questions here, um, first question we have from, from Jamie, like how important is the success of Polkadot for the success of Moonbeam? That's a good question. Um, I, I see our role as, uh, you know, as that we can actually play an important role uh, for like actually all of Polkadot in the sense that what, what Moonbeam is, is I, I see it as kind of the, the on-ramp or kind of the the place that's kind of familiar to people. So even from a dev perspective, you can use the familiar tools from a user perspective, you know, you're using MetaMask. So that's maybe something familiar that you already have. So we can kind of uh, serve this function of um, drawing like new like developers and users in, but then once they're on Moonbeam, you know, then you start asking questions say, oh, look, there's these integrations, these other chains. And like, what are these other chains? And what, you know, what is Polkadot and how does it work? And so we see a bit of our role as that as being this on-ramp, uh, uh, to Polkadot. And one thing I would say that uh, is that the, you know, the, this underlying technology of, of Polkadot, Substrate, and um, uh, like I mentioned these para threads and some of these other things really has been thought through like, to like an extreme level of detail and is like, is quite good. And I think uh, the market right now actually underappreciates um, a lot of the technical, like, like thinking infrastructure and work that's gone into this. And uh, it's all part of a larger cycle of uh, I guess the market educating itself about what these cross-chain technologies look like, right? Because I think we're, I mean, we're kind of like leaving the, the first phase was just, you you know, you ape across like anything. And then I think now people have gotten burned a few times and they're starting to get a little bit more educated. And I think that ultimately it's kind of going to become clear that there's different kind of um, cross-chain uh, connections that like have like different kinds of security properties and are better or worse for different use cases. And so there'll be a, a better understanding of that. And that's kind of why we originally chose to go down the path to Polkadot and we still you know, are quite convicted on that. 
Excellent. And uh, next question here from the community is from Benedict, who's a, a massive Moonbeam supporter and Polkadot ecosystem supporter. And his question is, how does technology like Chainlink's CCIP fit into your concept? Yeah, um, I, I think we have like an idea that like we are not trying to like compete or like push like any one interop technology, although we obviously are uniquely positioned to provide uh, XCM, like uh, you know, Polkadot's interoperability technology to developers. Um, we don't, we do not see this as like a winner take all situation. And so, um, uh, you know, we are like, uh, integrating like with as many of these general message passing solutions as we can. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have been doing quite a bit of work with the, the team at Axelar as a, a, a quite excellent solution from my perspective. Um, we also work with the team at Nomad, uh, Dbridge is another team which is uh, in the process of deploying. Um, so we have a, a number of different, um, irons in the fire there. And we ultimately want to be home and provide as much optionality to developers as, uh, as possible. So we want to integrate with as many of these um, uh, general message passing solutions as possible. And I think actually for certain kinds of use cases, it may be the case that more than one will be used, right? So just like for certain critical apps, you might have like two like network connections, like, you know, in case one goes down, like you use the other one. And there might be something similar here where, um, you know, you may actually have apps that integrate like more than one message passing system uh, to ensure availability, to ensure reliability, to you know do cross checking to make sure that you know you get the same answer, you know both ways, and so um, that's kind of uh, that's kind of our strategy. So uh, CCIP would would fall like into this category where it's probably not going to be available until next year, uh, but uh, you know Chainlink is obviously an important uh, partner of ours that we've been working closely with, so uh, we would look forward to supporting that as well. Cool, and we have another question here: like which projects do you see as competing with Moonbeam? Is it like, do you, do you see yourself competing with Ethereum um, or like other smart contract platforms or like how, how do you see that? Yeah. Uh, so I think that if you just, I mean, some people say, oh, well, Moonbeam is just like the EVM of Polkadot, right? So I think if you have that framing, like, sure, then like, uh, I think, you know, we're almost competing with a, like all other like smart contract platforms in some sense. But really, the, the you know, we're really trying to specialize in these like cross-chain use cases. And so I think for that, like there is much, much less, you know, in the way of, of, of competition. It's like, it's much more kind of specialized. Um, and so that's, you know, and that's the way I think about it is that, look, we're just trying to be the best place for developers to deploy uh, these like native uh, cross-chain use cases. And yes, we have an EVM also. So of course that means that there's all the things that happen when you have an EVM are also happening. Um, which in some ways is helpful even to the, the people pursuing these cross-chain use cases, right? To have uh, you know, AMMs and stable swaps and all of the, you know, kind of these these things that are kind of, uh, you know, uh, part of the, the the EVM infrastructure in a way or a deployed ecosystem. But, you know, for us, I think the success will hinge on uh, like these cross-chain use cases. And, um, you know, that's our bet, right? Our bet is that we're at a moment where uh, we're at the beginning of this shift where things are going to shift into this way. And then, you know, uh, my personal belief is there's going to be like winners and losers then, right? There's going to be people who can adapt to shifting into this like native multi-chain kind of thinking and people that can't. And I think there might be some people that from that are big now in this like more single chain mindset that maybe don't, you know, either do or don't make this like transition over. Um, so that's, that's kind of the bet we're making. Seems like a good bet to take. And uh, last community question here comes from uh, Rough Lace. And uh, how are you guys going to get market adoption? Yeah, it's a, it's a multi-prong uh, approach. I would say that, um, uh, you know, we've been, uh, from my perspective, pretty successful on this uh, to date. Uh, some of that is from, you know, I do have 
um, uh, you know, previous experience building uh, companies just in the Web two space. So I think that's you know that's actually a, some a bit unusual almost I'd say for you know Web three uh, projects. And so a lot of the uh, uh, things I learned from that experience were around uh, marketing, go to market, you know, having a you know a BD team, um, you know, tracking kind of like. KPIs and performance, like of, of those teams. So a lot of this is kind of nuts and bolts, you know, uh, growth oriented things that you know I learned from uh, having this like Web two um, company. Uh, but you know, a lot of those ideas I think are are applicable in Web three. So I think that's a large part of how we've um, you know even without you know raising these like large large amounts of money, we've been able to be pretty successful, and we you know plan to continue expanding. Um, uh, you know, expanding on, on those efforts. And uh, you know, even if there's like now we're at a moment in the market where it seems like, um, you know, uh, you know, things may be a little less like pop than they were in the past. You know, we've, uh, you know, we've done pretty good planning for this and have like a, um, you know, like a, a large amount of, of runway. And you know, I think that, that actually can be advantageous to us, right? So as like, you know, maybe other people, you know, uh, like don't have as much funding or other things like, you know, we, we can kind of like chug along here uh, and execute on, you know, helping support these, like these teams. So I, I actually think that, uh, it makes me, you know, I think that we can, that we can use this to our advantage. And thank you for providing those insights there. Derek, it's been absolutely amazing having you on today's episode of Staking Mondays and where can our community go to follow you and the latest developments of Moonbeam and Moon River and whatever else you're working on too? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's Moonbeam, you know, uh, whatever, 16 hours a day, uh, whatever it is now. So that's, that's the thing, but, uh, yeah, my, uh, uh, just for myself on Twitter, it's just my name. So it's at uh, Derek U, um, uh, D-E-R-E-K-Y-O-O. Uh, but for the project itself, I would say the website's probably the best place. Uh, so that's moonbeam.network. Uh, and from there, you can find uh, all sorts of uh, links to interesting places. Our developer documentation site is, uh, we put a lot of energy into, into that. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, our Discord is where a lot of the actual technical discussions happen. So uh, I would uh, encourage folks to, uh, to to look there. And we have a, you know, a very active ambassador program, too, if you're interested in getting involved uh, with the project. Awesome. Some very good stuff. And for everyone watching, please hit that like button. Be sure to subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And you can check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays available on YouTube and Spotify. For Mirko and Derek, I'm Ken. As always, happy staking.